Hello, Three Things listeners. Thanks for coming back. Been away for a little bit. I'm excited to get a chance to talk today. Normally when that happens and I'm gone for a while, I go long. I'm going to try not to. Oh, I'm glad to be back with you. Glad you're listening. Um, hope you get a deep breath today uh, if you're on your way to work. If you're like me and you li- like to listen to podcasts on the lawnmower, um, that's one of my favorite places to get a deep breath. Um, hope you get one today. Excited to get a chance to talk to you today about uh, a word that has caused a lot of angst, a lot of animosity, a lot of, uh, at least in my opinion, a lot of worthless conversation, to be honest. Um, some of it worthwhile and some of it just a lot of hot air. Um, and I, I use it in a different way than it's uh, necessarily caused animosity. But today I want to talk about three things about evolution. Um, and... You know, few words have caused more tension um, in the faith community, especially, than this one. Um, My dad, high school science teacher for 38 years, um, has gone through all kinds of conversations about evolution. Um, And when he taught evolution, of course, he had to teach the idea that um, that evolution is a scientific concept, and then he also could talk about creation as another option. Um, and the truth is, it it spurred a lot of conversation. It also, at different times in his career, caused a lot of conflict on both sides. Um, and when I talk about evolution today, um, I'm using the word obviously to to bring up. Um, a conversation that um, has been going on long before uh, we started really debating evolution and creation. This is long. The idea of evolution is much older than Darwin. Um, The idea of evolution is much bigger than um, the origin of the species. You know, Um, this is not about survival of the fittest, um, only this is much much bigger conversation than that and so i'm excited to get a chance to talk to you today about what i believe about evolution um, and that is um, the idea of things evolving Um, and so i'm going to jump right in today i've got three things as you know to say um, about evolution today you may not agree with me Um, i kind of hope you don't completely i think we learn the best when we find something that we can hold in suspense for a minute um, and contemplate it even if we disagree. And so even if you don't agree with what I'm about to say today, if you have a mature mind, early philosophers would say, Aristotle would say, that if you have a mature mind, you are able to hold an idea without either accepting or rejecting it. Um, So The idea of evolution is obviously going to cause some angst in the faith community, and a big part of my listeners are in that world. So I mean no disrespect, I mean no offense today, um, but I'm just going to be straight up with what I believe about what evolution really is. Um, Here's the three things I'm going to say today about it. I'm going to start with this concept, that things evolve. All right. And I'll pick that apart here in a minute. I know it doesn't sound profound, but things evolve. Secondly, evolution means hope. And third, evolution means your job gets better. That means your day in, day out work here on earth gets 
better. All right, I'm just going to jump right in. The first thing, things evolve. You already know this. You already know that evolution is a thing. No matter what you believe about creation, no matter whether you believe the earth was created in seven days because the Bible says it was, or whether you believe that um, there was a big bang and everything was created out of that, whatever you believe, we all, anyone who can think critically, can look back and realize, even in their lifetime, that things evolve. Some things get better, some things get worse. Some things just get weird. Um, one of the things that uh, that I, I love doing is, is just looking back at how things have gotten better. It adds to my sense of optimism. Um, it also just is interesting to me to think about Earth and think about life and time as something that's going somewhere. If you don't believe that things evolve or if you refuse to acknowledge that things are moving in some direction, um, you've just got your head in the sand. I mean, things absolutely are involved, are evolving. Some of it's just weird, and some of it is forced um, by humans and by our own beliefs and feelings. And one of my favorite evolution stories is uh, in England, there are these short-legged sheep, which if Darwin had his way, wouldn't exist. Because the idea of a short-legged sheep, there's really no advantage of being short-legged necessarily. Um, and so not necessarily a survival of the fittest thing. But what happened was, and I guess it is survival of the fittest in one way, um, the farmers decided they wanted to create shorter fences. And they noticed that the smaller sheep couldn't get over their fences. It was cheaper for them to make shorter fences and easier, um, and easier to maintain, and the wind didn't blow them over. And so they started looking at the sheep that were shorter legged as their prized possessions and they started breeding them differently. And so now there is a whole breed of sheep that have short legs um, and they've evolved into this thing that was good for the farmer. You can call that whatever you want, good, bad, indifferent. The truth is it's real. Things have changed and we've forced them at times. Um, other times it just isn't cool, like the way things change. And also in England, there's this species of moth called the peppered moth. And this isn't a matter of opinion. This is all over um, the books and the, in history and documented in photos. That what would happen is these these trees that were in England, they were white bark on these trees. And so the moths there were white moths. And these moths um, would go up against the tree, would sit on those trees, and of course the birds couldn't see them because they were the same color as the bark. Well, over a short period of time, what happened was industry took over in England, and those white trees in, in this specific area, in an industrial area, became black. They, the smoke um, caused them to be black, which is kind of gross for the environment, whatever you, you think about that. It's sort of beside the point. What happens is all those trees turn black, and guess what happens to the moths? <laughs> They, over a very short period of time, that species of moths, the peppered moths, went from white to black. And you can, you can argue about why you believe that happened, if it's something inside the actual moth that, that uh, was almost like a chameleon and did something with its own um, pigment in its, in its um, wings. But, but the truth is, in a very short amount of time, those peppered uh, moths went from white to black. And they evolved. And, and maybe even a more important example of this um, is my grandfather, who I think about a lot recently. Passed away um, many years ago now, probably 10 years ago. Um, Grandpa Mitchell was an, an incredible 
person. And when I look back on it, I think we probably would have celebrated him more in this day and age than he was celebrated um, during his lifetime. But he came from a background of um, superstition, but not of faith. Um, He was treated really harshly. He had a really tough upbringing, um, was pretty much rejected by his entire family, and um, decided to pursue faith. Um, And honestly, a big part, I don't know where I would be as a human today um, if it weren't for his influence in my life. Um, didn't agree with everything he had to teach and say. He became a preacher um, and a very conservative one, and had a lot of had a lot of baggage from his life. Um, but one of those things that that was a, a big part of his life was just this sort of a uh, no nonsense version of love and of family. Very good man. Very good to his family. My dad and my aunt. Um, but dad tells me that as they were growing up, he didn't hear that he was loved very often verbally. Felt it, but didn't hear it. It just wasn't a part of grandpa's rhetoric or grandma's for that that matter. Um, and then my dad met my mom and her family who, you probably know people like this, who just verbally you know, love people all the time and physically. And there's just this gift of love that this family has. And so when dad came into this family, he, he began, he became a, a part of that. And my dad began to evolve, um, into someone who understood love in a different way. Again, we don't have to talk about it as good or bad. It's just, it, it was an evolution in the way love was dealt with in my dad. Well, as my grandmother and grandfather got older and illness crept in and, um, you know, cancer took over their lives. Um, towards the end, especially of my grandmother's life, they both began to, to say to my dad at every opportunity, I love you. Um, and I know that might sound trite or might sound silly. You don't know the, the situation, but there is an evolution in love in that family that was so real that it, it, um, I think about it a lot. I think about the difference between what I knew of my grandfather growing up and then what I knew of him as an adult when he was dying. And I think about the evolution in his life um, of love and of just this softness in him, um, a strength and somehow a softness that evolved in him. And I cannot help but acknowledge that things, humans, sheep, moths, evolve. So if you're scared of the word evolution or you hate the word evolution because of some baggage that you have in your background about evolution versus creation, this is a good opportunity just to take a deep breath and realize that things evolve and it's a really important concept in our lives that things change, they evolve. And evolution, here's the second thing, evolution means hope. It doesn't simply mean change in in the terms of Um, the people who would have followed Jesus and the Jesus tradition, the idea of evolution to them um, had nothing to do with how the world was created. It was more about the fact that things here are headed somewhere. You know what I mean by that? There's sometimes you get up in the morning and you, you, you know, you, you you have the same old day where, where it just looks exactly like it did yesterday um, and the day before, and maybe year after year, if you've got the wrong kind of job and you come to a place where you maybe not cognitively choose this, but you begin to just sort of subconsciously believe that we just exist. 
and that the world is just, uh, it's about survival. Um, but the people at the center of the Jesus tradition, both those who were around when he was alive and those who began um, the church and began Jesus followers as we began to knew that, know them in the first century, they became a, um, a group of people who believed that that what we're doing is moving forward, that we're headed somewhere, um, that we have a role to play in an evolution of time and an evolution of what the divine has in store for earth. And when they talk about heaven, they don't talk, they don't talk about it like we do now. Um, one of the things that, uh, probably one of the reasons I started this podcast was the concept of heaven and hell. Um, been really motivated by a lot of conversations with people that I love um, and a lot of Christians who I believe have a have been driven by heaven and hell and are more committed to heaven and hell than they are to to the person and to the lifestyle of Jesus as Jesus followers and it has it has disturbed me in a lot of ways and it's created a a generation of Jesus followers of Christian people who love to sing songs like I'll Fly Away, which in itself, the song is benign. Um, it's never meant much to me. I understand that it has some deep meaning for a lot of people. But the idea that somehow my goal in life is to get out of here, um, that somehow um, that I would, I would be looking desperately forward to leaving Earth and going somewhere else, um, some glad morning, um, I'll fly away, is not at all a sentiment that Jesus followers would have even considered. Now, they did believe that there was a return of Christ. They did believe that things were moving um, towards a good thing, but they would have never thought of heaven as this destination. Um, instead, heaven was considered in the way Jesus talked about it especially, was considered to be a, a, a different reality. It was simply just a, a reality that is the way things should be. The idea of heaven was not another place, a physical location, but it was a, a, a state. It was a realm of being where things were as they should be. Um, you know, a lot of the, the contemporaries right now, um, as they talk about faith, I think of um, Rob Bell specifically, um, is whatever you believe about him is shaping the way that we um, start to dig into Jesus's meanings um, and the way that he spoke. And when you hear about Jesus and you hear about the culture that he was in, um, and then you apply our Western 2018 um, mentality to it, you realize how far we've come. And we've evolved in a way, in the way we think um, about Jesus and about heaven. But the deal with, with heaven when Jesus talked about it was, was it wasn't ever a physical location. He talked about it as a realm, a, a way that things should be. And so we all have this feeling that uh, things aren't how they should be, right? Um, you know, we all have this feeling that things are broken here. But the idea of being a Jesus follower is the belief that that where God is, and not physically where he is, but the realm in which he lives is a realm where 
Everything is the way it should be. There are no tears. There are no infant death syndrome situations. There are no child abuse stories. There is no war. Um, there aren't those moments where we sit around a cup of coffee and shake our head together about the state of our politics or the world. And, and we all, no matter what we believe, we all have this sense that things aren't the way they should be. When Jesus talked about heaven, what he talked about was not just the fact that, that what's here isn't the way it should be, but that there is an alternative, that there is a realm in which things are as they should be. And when he speaks of heaven, that's what he speaks of. So the idea of heaven is the idea that um, that there is a realm that you can participate in now um, where eventually you will be in perpetuity. So, you know, when we talk about... Um, when we talk about eternal life, for instance, um, we often like to think of eternal life, um, those who have been around church, as something that happens when you die. You know, like y you live on earth and then you die and then eternal life starts, whatever you believe about that. Well, that was not even close to the way Jesus and his followers would have talked about it. In the Jewish tradition, the concept of eternal life means that you're, you're currently in eternal life. You are currently in the process of eternal life. The idea that it would begin after this thing that we're doing here on earth is, is completely foreign to them. And so that is really a meaningful thought when Jesus prays a prayer that changes everything. In Matthew 6, in Matthew chapter 6, there's a whole group of people around Jesus trying to figure all this stuff out. And a lot of them have been talking to Jesus about heaven and the way things should be. And Jesus says this. He says, this is how you should pray. Um, you've heard this many times, whether you're a faith person or not. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That is big, bigger than everything else. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, let's take our Western understanding of heaven out of that for a minute. Let's, let's not consider heaven as a physical location where people sit on clouds and play harps that's somehow up from earth and is beyond what we've seen in telescopes. Um, but, but let's take for a second what Jesus meant by heaven, and that is a realm of reality in which things are as they should be. Let's take that and say that our job, according to Jesus, is to con continually be in prayer and live a life as though we are trying to bring heaven to earth. That we wouldn't consider eternal life as something that happens when we die, and we wouldn't consider heaven as someplace we go when we're done with this thing and we should all uh, fly away to it, but as though our job is to continue to pursue heaven. It is continue while we're on earth to pursue things the way they should be and bring them to earth. That, my friends, is the hope in evolution. The idea of the book of Revelation um, and the idea of the, the book that John wrote while he was on the island of Patmos um, and dying um, in the, the end of the Bible it can be confusing, it can be misunderstood, it can, people have interpreted it in, in so many different ways. To me, the most important thing, I've been talking to my kids about this lately, the most important thing in the book of Revelation is this, that there, that the earth, the thing that we're doing right now is headed somewhere. 
And it's going in a place where the divine intends for it to go, that things will be whole, that things will end up as they should be. And heaven, as we talk about it in our Western theology and in our Western um, modern concepts of who God is and what heaven is, heaven is earth. That heaven is not another place, but that earth, where we live right now, is physically going to become that realm in which things are as they should be. That has implications on how we treat where we are. If you believe that one day you'll fly away from this place and you'll go somewhere else, then you might as well throw your McDonald's sack out the window and let the earth become whatever it needs to be, right? You don't care about the polarized caps. You don't care about any any ways that we're treating earth because we're getting out of here, right? But if you believe that where we're at is um, heaven just not quite where the divine wants it to be yet. And that we have a role to play in the evolution of earth becoming the realm in which things are as they were intended to be. This, this understanding of evolution and of the realm of heaven is at the heart of optimism when it comes to being a Jesus follower. You know, there's different kinds of optimism in life, and I'm going to do a podcast pretty soon with my daughter, London, who's 13. I think we're going to knock that out here in the few, next few weeks. Um, she's 13, and I'm going to bring her in and, and do a podcast with me because I think she is the foremost expert on real-life optimism in my life. I've never met anyone at any age who looks at life the way London does, and I'm not just saying that as her dad. I think I can be objective in saying that there is something in the way that she thinks that is not just a Disneyized version of life and a Pollyanna way of looking at things, but that actually pragmatically thinks of the world as moving in a direction of hope and good, and she has a role to play in it. And when you hear her talk about it, I think it will inspire you too. Um, you know, the idea that a, a Christian person or a person who's following Jesus would be optimistic is, is not just about seeing the good side of life. And, and seeing the best in people. And I remember this phrase from when I was younger of seeing people through God's eyes, which is just a cheesy way of, of loving people, of saying loving people. But the idea is, is much deeper than that, that the heart of Jesus follower optimism is that what we are doing here is headed somewhere, that we are trying to match up on a daily basis with every moment we have to engage other humans and with to engage the the earth around us and the physical parts of our life and the spiritual parts of our life and the emotional parts of our life all of those tasks and all of those specific little elements are about moving things towards what what the divine intends for for this place to be which Jesus referred to as heaven and he said that we should be praying we should be working towards bringing heaven to earth. <laughs> Many of you don't like me mixing Jesus and the Dalai Lama, but I think they both um, speak from the same truth tree in a lot of opportunities and a lot of times. And Dalai Lama says this, choose to be optimistic. It feels better. <laughs> Which, which man, when you talk, when you hear London, my daughter, um, she's like, why would, why would anybody choose to be pessimistic? It just feels so gross. Like it, and the truth is when you're 13, you look at an adult who's been choosing it for so long that now they don't feel like they choose it anymore. It just happens to them, that pessimism. Um, Dalai Lama says, man, every now and then you just look back and go, it just feels better to choose optimism. 
But those of us who are realists and who like to think of ourselves as enlightened, which um, starting to sound really funny to me, um, but the idea of, of an enlightened individual is that they kind of believe that they can see through all the BS that comes with optimism. And the truth is, there is a lot. But at the heart of true optimism is the belief that, that everything we're doing is headed in a good direction. And the, the heart of Jesus followers, the heart of being a, a person who follows, who does life the way Jesus did, is the belief that things are headed in a good direction and you have a role to play. Which leads me to the third thing about evolution, and that is that if you can understand evolution the way Jesus did, and the way many of his followers did, it changes your job. It changes your nine to five. If you're retired, it changes your day. If you're working in a cubicle, it changes your outlook. It changes your um, the way you think about what you're actually doing. And man, this is huge for me. Because the truth is, I, I, I'm sure I'm not alone. I meet people like this all the time who fight the, the mundane, who fight the mental tendency to believe that what we're doing is just surviving and we'll survive again tomorrow and then we'll pass it on to the next generation, the idea of survival. But when you can grasp and when you can understand that where we're headed is a realm of reality that finds life and earth and human relationships the way that we all feel as though they should be. The truth is, it makes you want to be useful at that point. You know, I've been around church for so long that um, I've been through an evolution in the way that I I think about church and religion and faith. I went from being a 15, 16-year-old kid who went to all three services, was the first one there to open the doors on Sunday morning and stayed until the last person left and could not wait to be back in the building. Went from that to a full-time minister who was broken by people who were really harsh and hurt me um, in a lot of ways. And, and then as an adult... Um, hearing the church come out against social issues and things that seemed like they were speaking on behalf of God for something that God never said. Um, and I began to not want to be associated with a group of people who spoke on behalf of God in a way that didn't feel like him. And so I never fell in love with God, but I definitely fell in love with the church. And I found myself doing a lot of bad mouthing over coffee and lunch with people and a, a lot of just, um, as Eleanor Roosevelt would say, cursing the darkness instead of lighting a candle. You know, it, the idea of just how good it feels sometimes just to, you know, I remember in ministry, we used to call it venting. Um, I still, I still hear people in ministry do this, you know, well, you just need somebody to vent to, you know, you need to, you need a safe place to vent. Well, no, you just, it feels good to be harsh and mean sometimes, but it never leaves you in a good place. And, and that's where I ended up, um, when it came to church and faith and religion. And it began to change for me recently and began to evolve for me recently when I, when I began to see what's going on with faith and religion and church and, and, and reject the things that are wholeheartedly not God. But, 
begin to see it as part of what the divine has for bringing heaven to earth. That there would be brokenness everywhere that God would redeem and that the earth and all of its inhabitants would be able to see um, religion and faith and all of the things as as is broken as anything. So at some point, um, and we're seeing it all over when it comes to the Catholic Church and a lot of the sexual abuse scandals that have, have come out, um, we're seeing the death, I believe, of a sanctification of religion. We're seeing um, a human understanding of people who feel who look connected to God as eh, they're just like us and they're just as broken as we are and I believe that's part of things moving forward in a way and to be able to acknowledge them and move towards healing in those places be able to acknowledge the pastor who was caught in an addiction to pornography and instead of excommunicating him from our churches taking him back into the fold and instead of treating him as though he was on some sort of a spiritual pedestal, bringing him back in as an example of how we love and cherish and forgive and have patience with as people evolve into the humans that that the divine intends for us to be. And the more we can begin to break down the walls between between sanctified leaders and those who they are supposed to be shepherding, the more I believe we move towards a realm of heaven that Jesus talked about, where all of us understand where we fall, where all of us have an equality that is more than a slogan from Nike, that is bigger than the latest commercial that you can you can put out that that at the deepest part of who we are we feel a sense of camaraderie that's where we're headed and the brokenness that's happening happening all around us in religion i believe i'm starting to see it as part of the evolution of humans understanding who we are and of the divine being patient with us as we do and so evolution, if you believe, if you understand it, if you acknowledge that things evolve, and if you, if you accept the Jesus tradition of evolution, and that is that, that earth and the things that we're dealing right, with right now, all this stuff is headed somewhere. If you accept all that, then what it does at its core is it begins to change your day. It begins to change what you do when you get up in the morning. It begins to change the way you see that interaction with that girl across the cubicle that you just, you can't take any more of, you know? It begins to give you a different understanding of what your boss is really um, acting like and what is really coming out of your daily work. If you can see what you're doing, every interaction, every conversation, every opportunity for a um, relationship um, to move forward as a small part of an evolution of things moving towards the way they are supposed to be. Then you get to do what Jesus followers begin to understand 
and what God has been inviting us to since the very beginning of time. And that is you get to not just watch the story. You get to participate. That's the invitation from the divine. That's why things evolve. He has the patience. He has the foresight. And he has the passion in your life for the deepest part of who you are to not just witness earth and history, to not just survive your 77 years while you're here, but, but to participate in the evolution of earth and the brokenness that we find becoming a realm in which things are as they should be. <laughs> oh, I don't know if it did anything for you today, but oh, did I need that. Gosh. So wherever you sit, whether it's on a lawnmower, whether it's in a car, whether it's in your chair next to the fireplace, wherever you sit, right here, right now, you have an invitation to, to participate in the evolution of heaven. <laughs> How's that? How's that? You have an invitation to today to participate in the evolution of fixing the things around you that are broken. So it's not just a job. It's not just another meeting. It's an invitation to speak to someone at their, the depth of their soul. To treat them the way the divine does. With patience. With acceptance. With hope. With optimism. So friends, it's time for the may use. Today, may you embrace evolution. May you notice the way things change. May you embrace your role in bringing heaven to earth. This is why you were here. And today, may you feel as though you are a participant in taking earth from the way it is now to exactly the way the divine intends for it to be. And may he bless you as you do. Have a great day. 